0: Welcome back to That's Gotta Be Wrestling, the Wrestling Review Podcast. Today we're discussing All Elite Wrestling's Fight for the Fallen 2019, taking place July 13th of the year 2019 at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, with an attendance of roughly 5,000. They never seem to have a real attendance at these shows. Uh, I am your co-host, Tommy Tracy, and I am joined, as always, by...
1: Me, Olivia.
0: Yes, and we are back. Uh, this episode's coming to you a little later than usual. We both had some sinus infections going on later part of the weekend, so we decided to just do this uh, a couple days later. But we are here with Fight for the Fallen. Before we get into the review, however, we're going to do our news segment Um, the top news in wrestling. For the week, or week in a couple days at this point, <laughs> so as always, I will, as always, as if this isn't just the second week we've done this, I'm gonna give it off to you, Olivia.
1: Absolutely, so, um, the first part of our news, uh, is coming from Stephanie McMahon herself, um, with basically what they're calling their sort of set plans for Wrestlemania 37, uh, WWE is set on having a redo of WrestleMania at the Raymond James Stadium to recoup <laughs> from WrestleMania 2020. While it is unclear if they are continuing the pirate theme uh, that coincides with the Buccaneers Stadium, it is clear that they are taking advice from the NFL with limited crowds. It is unclear of what this audience will look like, as Stephanie McMahon says that ticket information will not be available until they figure out a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that they are sort of getting accustomed to, Uh, however in a smaller setting with their nxt limited crowds so uh do you think that this is something that could be successful for wwe do you think that they are going to get close again to wrestlemania and then just scrap it entirely what do you think they're gonna do
0: uh it's gonna be weird i mean i feel raymond james stadium is huge it holds roughly seventy thousand people and then when you Add in wrestling to that, you could probably fit in another ten to 15,000. Yeah,
1: they said it fits about, like, with wrestling crowds, about 90,000. Okay, it's a lot of people. Yeah.
0: Uh, I hope they don't try and do that. I don't think they're stupid enough to try and do that. Um, the weird thing about this is this coming WrestleMania 37 was supposed to be... WrestleMania goes back to Hollywood and be at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, which you and I were going to most likely go to. Turns out not to be the case. Um, but I don't know, man. With WrestleMania in an arena that big... I mean, you could socially distance all you want, oh, totally. but no one's going to be told to be like, well, you have to go up to the nosebleeds when you can't see anything, when there's going to be that, not that many people there. It's going to be strange. I mean, I think the, I personally, and I'm not running a multi-billion dollar company because if I was, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast, but I would probably do what they did last year.
1: You know, that's interesting. I think that you could do a weird capitalism trick on it and say, <laughs> okay, we're going to cut the crowd by half. Okay, so say necessarily you're not gonna guaranteed be in the nosebleeds, but you're gonna probably be pretty far back depending on the ticket price. But then because you're cutting in the audience in half at least, uh, they're probably gonna double ticket prices. So mm-hmm. um, it could be one of those where, you know, you're you've got socially distanced crowd. Um, tickets are going to be really pricey, but, uh, you're going to be guaranteed that WrestleMania experience. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but moving I, on.
0: I, well, actually one more thing. I feel they need to give the people who bought tickets last year first grabs, honestly, because yeah. you bought tickets, you didn't get a go.
1: I went, yeah, yeah, I wonder how that, how that played out. I wonder if they just like refunded all their tickets right. or if they, uh, were like, Hey, you could, you know, do that thing that most concerts are doing where they're like, you can get a refund or you can hold on to them and then go next year. Yeah.
0: Um, so and yeah. also, WrestleMania tickets usually go on sale in September. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't happen. Right. So, it's kind of weird to think we're two months out, give or take, mm-hmm. and they're like, we will be putting tickets on sale soon, I guess. Yeah. That's so really it's weird. So, be an absolute blood
1: feud to yeah. get those tickets if I've, they do go on yeah. sale.
0: I've been to a few WrestleManias, and let me tell you, even in the year 2000 and 2005, getting tickets was not easy. Yeah. I had to beg my dad on his birthday... To like, please wait in line. I know it's your birthday, but please, it's WrestleMania. And he was like, fucking fine. So, on his 50th birthday, mind you. So, it's not like he was, you know, it's a big milestone. And my right. dad's like, yeah, fine, we'll get some fucking WrestleMania tickets. Just shut up. So,
1: <laughs> uh, in other uh, pandemic COVID news, WWE champion Drew McIntyre tested positive for COVID. Uh, the WWE dot com announced this last week that Drew McIntyre has tested positive. Uh, while it is unclear what his health status is, the champion has been placed under quarantine and can be expected to make a quick recovery. I thought this was pretty interesting just because I feel like a lot of their performers have tested positive for COVID over this whole pandemic, but this is weirdly enough like one of the first times that they feel the need to announce it, let alone on their website. Mm-hmm. So um, do you think that it's just because he's a notable champion or do you think that, um, do you think that maybe it's because he's on TV all the time and it's going to be pretty obvious as to why he's not on TV?
0: So Olivia, I have an answer to this Okay. and you being someone who loves a good conspiracy theory, I
1: do love conspiracy I think theories. it's
0: conspiracy. Not, not like a huge one, but okay. the fact that AEW's Nick Jackson and Chris Jericho have recently come out and said, we had COVID and they've said this in the past, Week or two.
1: Yeah.
0: And they had it back in August and September, which was not, like, that was a while ago. How did we just find out they had it? So, in Vince McMahon's mind, he's like, ah, ah, they're not going to announce it. How am I going to get one up on AEW? I'm going to announce when our people have it now. Interesting. So, I think he's just trying to, not, I mean, I'm sure he cares, but also be like, ah, but I'm going to do something they're not doing. I'm going to beat them to it.
1: It's like this weird, and this kind of plays into this next, uh, news segment, but it's it's interesting how because of the rise of AEW that it's almost this battle of like who is more responsible of a company and who takes better care of their wrestlers. You like know, when when was that ever like an argument?
0: Yeah. You know what the answer is? Neither of them. Yeah. <laughs> as much yeah. as we like both companies, neither of you are doing a great job. Ring of Honor is doing the great thing because they've got like the Ring of Honor bubble right now, which is what the NBA and NHL did. Yeah. And that's fantastic. But uh, yeah, no, they, uh, no one's doing a great job, honestly. (laughs) Uh, And it also, I mean, Drew McIntyre is in amazing shape. He's pretty healthy. So most likely he'll make a great recovery. And I hope he does, of course. Um, But the Royal Rumble's coming up, and he's started some very awkward feud with Goldberg ahead of that, so they (sighs) kind of of have no build for that going forward, um, which may or may not be a blessing in disguise, because if he can't make it to the Rumble, at least we don't have to see Drew McIntyre get squashed by Goldberg, so... Uh,
1: Here's to hoping. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But our last uh, news story of today is uh, Booker T goes on record defending the AEW product, So in response to a recent critical remark about AEW, Booker T goes on record defending the AEW talent after Bully Ray made an unfavorable comment about the product saying that their performance comes off as uh, generally less polished and quote unquote indie-rific at times. Booker T then defended the product, saying that while AEW is capitalizing on the core of what wrestling currently is, i.e. sports entertainment, the nuances the variety of their talent brings is key to their success. He cites both the former TNA and ECW products, saying that TNA would still be huge if they would have stuck to what made them different, Mm -hmm. and in reference to ECW, he said that it was hugely popular despite the unseasoned talent, stating that Paul Heyman made those guys look like they knew what they were doing. So, according to Booker, it is not always about the raw talent, it is about the presentation and commitment to the product, indicating that AEW possesses both.
0: Uh, Yeah, I would agree with Booker T, and he hit the nail on the head with the TNA thing, because, man, TNA from, like, 2004 to, like, 2010 was so good, and then Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff had to come just run it into the ground. Yeah. Uh, And he makes a good point with the ECW thing, too, like, ECW... Honestly, from a production standpoint, it was fucking terrible. And I'm going to say, the first two pay-per-views we've done for AEW, I think the production sucks. Like, it's awful. But the wrestling is amazing. And they're a brand new company. The growing pains are going to be there. I'm highly critical of some of the stories we see on Dynamite. Like, some of it just kind of sucks. But at the same time, the wrestling is top-notch. Yeah. So, if we can give NXT a pass, or Ring of Honor a pass, or New Japan a pass, especially New Japan, which is very weird <laughs> Japan- Japanese wrestling is very strange um, we can give AEW a pass it's a brand new company it's going to be mm-hmm. different whereas WWE has been here for 40 years so we're kind of sick of the same old crap even though we still like it
1: well and here's the thing too is that what I, fi- I think most fail to realize is when you're pitting the AEW product against WWE you know this is a product that's still very new very mm-hmm. fresh And, you know, really came into its own right at the time that we went into a full-fledged global pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, as time goes on, as those COVID restrictions get lifted, as people get vaccinated, then not only are you going to have a ton of international talent wanting to come to AEW to make a name for themselves in America, but, you know, in, in the same, you know, country... Where WWE resides, you have a ton of talent who are really fed up with being controlled for very little pay. I mean, we were just watching uh, a news story today about how uh, a lot of the talent, you know, make additional money from you know, Twitch streaming, OnlyFans, that kind of thing, and how WWE has, like, really cracked down and tried to control that and profit off of that.
0: Yeah, they don't want you seeing Big E's OnlyFans without them getting (laughs) some money.
1: Even though they made it very clear that these people are individual contractors, Mm -hmm. you know, and not full-time WWE employees. Yeah. And so it's kind of this, like, really dangerous game that they're playing where, you know, they're not wanting to take any responsibility over you as an employee... But yet, the things that you do outside of working for them, they still want to control that. So I right. think a lot of people are going to get fed up with that. And I think that AEW is going to welcome a lot of this entertainment with open arms because, and a lot of this talent with open arms because I can see AEW being like, hey, we might not be able to pay you as much as WWE, but we're going to let you get to do all of this stuff that they wouldn't let you do.
0: I don't know, man. Tony Khan's got a lot of money. <laughs> uh, not as much as Vince McMahon, but a lot of fucking money. However, um, to take the side of WWE, well, not to take the side, but to also criticize AEW for a second, while they don't consider their employees independent contractors, they still don't give them health insurance, which I think if you're in a physical thing like this, you need some, because it wasn't until All Out 2020, or maybe it was Double or Nothing, I can't remember what it was exactly, um, but Matt Hardy fought Sammy Guevara, and he did a spot off of a, like, a forklift sort of thing through a table, but he missed the table and literally knocked himself out in a match, live match. And they not only continued the match, which was the wrong decision, but they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to start taking CTE seriously now. In 2020, you're going to start taking... Like, you are a brand new company. You know what happened with Chris Benoit and everyone else. And you're going to be like, oh, he fell. Now we're going to take it seriously. Like, they also need to be kind of held... like. Give WWE their faults all they want, but they take that CTE shit very seriously, and AEW is kind of like, oh, right, we need to do that too, so... But again,
1: <laughs> you have to think that AEW has time on their side, and the room to grow on their side, to WWE has long been established, and it's pretty much no excuse for them at this point, but like I said, as AEW continues to grow as a company, as they continue to gain more capital and, you know, more wealth to be able to pay these people the way that they can... I I think that that will be something that's introduced, and then I think if if and when that you know health insurance is introduced, and when that I guess talent care is introduced and established, that it, again it could be really dangerous for WWE.
0: It can be, but we'll we will only we'll time. only see time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, time is an illusion. All right. <laughs> uh, before we get into the main show, uh, I'm going to go through the buy-in real quick, and then we'll get to your Perfect. opening question. Yes. Um, so the buy-in happened. An hour before the show, um, Sonny Kiss made his debut, taking, uh, taking on the librarian Peter Avalon with Leva Bates. And Sonny Kiss wins with a split-legged moonsault. Um, pretty fun. He came out with the Jacksonville Jaguars mascot, because they were in Jacksonville. So And the cons own the Jaguars. The 1 in 15 Jaguars this past <laughs> season, which is terrible. Uh, we then get a women's tag team match. Um, Bia Priestley and Shoko Nakajima from Japan taking on Ryo and... Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and I want to quickly go over this. You might have seen this clip online. Um, As soon as Bea Priestley gets uh, tagged in, she kicks a downed Britt Baker in the face, and Britt Baker is out. So speaking of CTE things, and you can tell it wasn't a sell on her part because Aubrey Edwards, the referee, is just like, oh, shit, and you can see her, like, in the corner talking to Britt Baker for the rest of this match, which goes on an extra, like, 14 minutes, by the way.
1: Yeah.
0: And every time, like, you see... Baker on the rope. She is like leaning against them even like ten minutes later when it's like, Oh, she should be recovered in, in K Fab, she's not. So she got kicked in the face, so much so awkwardly that she goes to get the hot tag on Rio and she goes to the wrong corner because she just, she thinks that's her partner. So. What do you
1: think backstage-wise, like, what what do you think is said to one another, like, after all that happens? Because if I was Brit, I would be pissed.
0: Yeah, I mean... I'd
1: be like, you just ruined this match for me. Yeah,
0: it doesn't, it <laughs> doesn't... I mean, obviously, I don't think Bea Priestley did it on purpose. Well, like, right, but, but you gotta still. be a little more careful Yeah. And like, it's the same thing I say to Seth Rollins. Like, Seth Rollins is ultra-talented, as is Bea Priestley. What the fuck are you do? You gotta be careful, dude. Yeah. So, as if I'm having full-on conversations with uh, Seth Rollins. <laughs> but anyway, um, I also thought this was funny. During the last, like, five minutes of the match, um, the closed captioning came on, and it would not go away. And I thought I hit it on my on YouTube, but then I was like, the controller's nowhere near me. So I did a little research, and apparently for, like, the last 15 minutes of the buy-in, people just saw the random closed captioning
1: on their screen. So
0: production issues again.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, uh, so before we get into the main card... Let's get the uh, question out of the way.
1: This actually just hits on kind of a subject you just touched on. Uh, So many times in this podcast, we've talked about, well, really ever since we started talking about AEW in particular, uh, we've been very kind of critical of their women's roster. Um, And unfortunately, as time has passed, you know, now we're in the year of 2021, uh, it has yet to make any sort of, you know, significant improvements. So, I pose this question to you, Tommy. What do you think that AEW could do to improve this women's roster?
0: So, here's the problem with the women's roster. Um, The talent is pretty fantastic, I think. I mean, Kirishida, Abinon, Britt Baker, uh, Awesome Kong. uh, Or, I guess, Bea Priestley's not there anymore. But, Rio. All these women are super talented. Uh, You got Tay Conti, who, like, WWE really dropped the ball on. You've got... um, uh, I can't think of her name, but she is 99 in the Dark Order. She's young and has a lot of uh, upside. The problem is, while the wrestling is good, the uh, the storytelling with these women isn't good. So they have, they like, oh, the stories are on Dark. I watch Dark when I can, but I can't watch Dark all the time. And there's also like 47 matches on every episode of Dark at this point. And then uh, they have this AEW Heels thing, which is Brandy Rhodes's um creation because get it heels women wear heels and the the way to watch that or connect with that is very strange and i don't even know how to do it so you don't get any storyline between these women they're just like all right go out there and do your thing and while the wrestling talent is there you don't get the storylines that you would get in wwe with like becky lynch the man or charlotte's reign uh of superiority or the bailey sasha saga oops drop my pen or what candace Lorraine and shanti blackheart are doing in nxt so you just have these talented women but you have no story behind these talented women and mm-hmm. no, that doesn't I, make for great yeah product. i totally
1: i totally agree with like pretty much everything you said i think where they're falling short and that is what's so frustrating in like this day and age where you know first of all you've got so many avenues that you could go down to get your product out to people it is like easier than ever to like get on a platform and tell your audience this is where you can find all of our content mm-hmm. this is how you do it you know this is where you can find it you know and if it's easily accessible and it's good quality streaming people are gonna pay for it and people are gonna watch it right and you're gonna make a lot of fucking money off of that but it is so incredibly frustrating when you have a company like that who could be could have an astronomically increased amount of viewership and could make a lot more money as a company mm-hmm. if they were to just buckle down and say, "Oh well, the reason I think the reason why we're falling short, you know, and the reason why people aren't, you know, retaining as audience members mm-hmm. in watching our product is because it's so hard to watch and so hard to find, and you know, unfortunately for them." I mean, that's great. that They got a TNT contract, fantastic for them. But hardly anybody these days has cable TV. So most of the time, people are going to be illegally streaming your content. And so not only are you losing out on that, but then when you have all these different fragments of your product that aren't a a part of that main content, and it's even harder to be able to access that and watch that, nobody's going to watch it. And so into your second point, I totally agree. That the wrestling is pretty solid, you know. Sometimes there's some flubs. Uh, we'll get but to I one think, of those matches think, in a moment. Yeah, <laughs> I think as time goes on and as these women get more familiar with each other in the ring, that it's only going to improve from here. But it, it's so you're so dead on and you say that it's good wrestling. But like the storyline is not there. If I can't access that, if I if I don't understand what's going on, like I'm gonna be like this is good. But it can't be great because if it's good but doesn't make any sense, it's never gonna be great. Yeah. So with all that being said, I totally agree that it's it's a bit frustrating, especially in like this like pinnacle of like accessibility with technology that they like can't just figure that out uh, and get that content streamlined. Because I feel like if they did, they would have much more eyes on their product and. You know, the potential to, to be able to, if you're making more money, then you can, again, streamline that content further. And when you do streamline that content further, then all of your product makes sense. Yeah. So, I totally agree.
0: Um, There's also the problem with the women from Joshi Wrestling in Japan not being able to travel, which yeah really limits. Luckily, Hikaru Shida, their champion, made a residency here. Um, but Ryo didn't, so, right. and then Aja Kong, of course, legendary Japanese yeah. wrestler. I think Awesome Kong's even stuck in Japan, which kind of sucks. So, you know, that kind of limits it as well, but the wrestling's good. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Except for the match we'll get to in a moment, but we're going to start with our <laughs> opening match, Yes. which uh, pits Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF, uh, with Sammy Guevara, God, his last name's hard to say, and Sean Spears, the former Ty Dillinger, which I noticed was... Funny, because uh, last week's episode is when Sean Spears just destroyed Cody Rhodes' head with a chair shot, and MJF was supposed to be Cody's fan, so these three, these two were teaming together, which, a little dynamic Again, there. Uh, <laughs> and they're Yeah, right? They're taking on uh, Darby Ellen, Jimmy Havoc, and the bad boy Joey Janela. So, the first thing I noticed, um, which was kind of funny, was, not funny, well, a little funny. Uh, Sean Spears came out with a shirt that said The Chairman, which it's like, I hated that chair shot, but... That's it's pretty clever. It's pretty clever. <laughs> it's like when Owen Hart uh, did the paw driver on Steve Austin and broke his neck, and he had the Owen three sixteen. I just broke your neck shirt, which was unfortunate, but also like really funny and clever. So gotta give him that. Uh, I guess you can call them the faces. I'm gonna call them the hardcore team. So that's Darby Allen, Havoc, and Joey Janela. Um, take it to MGF. They top. Off, uh, it's topped off with Jimmy Havoc biting MJF's hand. Uh, both teams show a lot of det- dissension between everyone, like no one's getting along in this match. Um, Allen and Spears tag out and uh, start to fight on the outside. Allen and Guevara use some high spots with springboard arm drags, which is really nice. Darby Allen weighs like seven pounds soaking wet, so he gets up there in the air to take down his smaller opponent. Uh, All six men get some offense topped off with an amazing rolling backstabber from Guevara. Guevara is in a house of fire, um he has a super kick, a tope suicida, over the top rope corkscrew, and a standing Spanish fly on all three of his opponents in quick succession. Uh, but at the end of the match, Sean Spears gets the blind tag and he puts down an injured Darby Allen for the three count. So Olivia, what do we think of the fight for the fallen opener?
1: Um I think that first of all, the obviously the in-ring storytelling uh, was pretty, on the nose, pretty strong, because I also uh, got the vibe that there was a lot of dissension between the two teams, uh, and really just made this a rising star showcase for all of these, uh, all, of, all of this talent, and they just, basically, it was like a competition between who can fling themselves around the ring the most, because you've got Darby <laughs> Allen, who's literally gumby in the ring uh that man can like bend his body in any direction and then you have sammy guevara who is like bayblading his body across the ring uh and so i just it was super entertaining really solid wrestling so for me it gets a 3.5 out of 5 because it was a really strong opener
0: you and i continued the trend of having <laughs> the same score for the opening match. 3.5 out of 5 for me as well for the reasons you said, um, I loved kind of the small storytelling. It wasn't even anything large in this match. Um, the MJF and Sean Spears dissension. Sammy Guevara thinking that he was the odd man out here because he had really nothing to do with it. And really having a good coming out party here. I mean, he's yeah. a very good wrestler. I call him the Spanish Justin Bieber because he looks just <laughs> like him. He does. And uh, the, the hardcore team, I guess I'm calling them. Because I don't know if like Jimmy Havoc's a face or even Joey Janela is, but beside the point... Um, the fact that they lost Jesus' dissension between the three of them, and they go on to have a triple threat match at the next pay-per-view all out. So, of course, we'll get to that next week. Um, So good, like, small storytelling there from AEW to to start out. A lot of fun here. I love watching everyone in this match in the ring. I think they're all super talented. And, yeah. Uh, Darby Allen. of course, once we get to the year of 2020 in AEW, we'll really have some big coming out stuff For there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we then cut to Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn in the crowd. Um, They are fantastic. And I don't think we get a lot of pay-per-view matches with them, unfortunately, but they're very, very talented. Um, I still say that they're teamed up with Matt Hardy now, and the fact that they haven't called them Private Hardy, I think is just a missed opportunity. Absolutely. And Tony, if you're listening, um, you can always hire me, man. I'll work cheap. <laughs> just give me like 50000 a year, dude. I think I'll be happy. All right. I'll move to Florida. I'm cool with that. <laughs> All right, so our second match is the one and only women's match on the main card. Um, and we see Allie taking on the CBO, uh, the chief branding officer, Brandy Rhodes, or the chief brandy officer, as she's been calling herself. And this match makes no sense. And here's why. Because you're supposed to believe that the Rhodeses are these like, super faces like, yeah, you know, we're counterproduct to WWE, and that's this great thing. And Cody's pretty much walked that line the whole time. But Brandy is doing this weird thing where she's just like, I'm the most talented woman in AEW. And it's like, listen, Brandy, you are a great businesswoman. You are very smart. You are uh, very elegant. But you're not a great wrestler. Kind of like Stephanie McMahon.
1: She's not... I mean, I think she's really strong on the mic.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, but I, like, I
1: feel she's, like, really articulate and comes off as really dastardly. Yes. Um, But her ring performance is very lacking.
0: Right. And I will get to this point once we give our final grades, but... um, Well, I'll just wait till then. So, she wants to take it... She wants to beat up on Allie. But then on the road to fight for the fallen she's like oh you know i respect ally it's this weird like dynamic where she doesn't really know which direction she's going in and it makes the brandy character incredibly inconsistent so she goes to handshake ally because you're like oh she's changed her tune she's going to be a friend but then she again changes changes her face and heel dynamic and brings out awesome kong again okay which is cool i love awesome kong so, uh, Brandy goes for the sneak attack, but Allie is ready for it. Kong distracts Allie multiple times, which leads to Brandy hitting a very awkward dropkick. She then grabs water from the outside and throws it in Allie's face, because as we all know, you can't recover from getting hit with water. I mean, it's the most, it's the most dastardly thing to get hit with. You're not going to recover. It's like getting hit with a stone-cold stunner or a kendo stick. Uh, Brandy hits a, uh, tornado snap suplex, but only gets a two count, a running, Brandy then runs right into a super kick and hits a Death Valley Driver, but or uh, Allie hits the Death Valley Driver. But Kong pulls Brandy out of the ring before the three count. Allie then locks in a Dragon Sleeper, but the ref is distracted by Awesome Kong, as Brandy is tapping out. As Allie gets up to confront Awesome Kong, Brandy hits a Bionic Spear because she has had shoulder surgery, so she's Bionic, uh, and gets the win. And then while the heels, I guess, are beating up on Allie, Awesome Kong shows up and teases a feud with Awesome Kong, which would be super cool, because back in the 2000s, those two women were forces in Japan. But, Olivia, what do we think of this match?
1: You know, it's, like, really not a good thing when I don't have much to say about a match. (laughs) So, all I'll say is, is that this match was incredibly, like, a snail pace, okay? Like, it, it was, it's one of those matches that I just, like, cringe at you know and i critique these types of matches in the same way every single time where i'm like oh we're gonna do this move and then they do the move and then they like take like a 30 second to a minute break and they're like okay now it's time for the next move and it's like holy shit like did you not like actually like practice any of this and sort of like tandem with like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it, it seems like they practice like one move every day and then like didn't think to like put it all together before they like went out into the ring and you know did all that and so unfortunately this just is not really a strong you know showing for Allie uh but anyways regardless of that this wasn't the strongest match and it was a serviceable performance and I just felt like it just had a really weak storyline that totally fell flat in the ring uh you know it like while I do love Awesome Kong um, and she's, she's great. I just feel as though, like, if you were to have this, you know, already shaky storyline between Allie and Brandy, it doesn't service either of them to, to then have this sort of like, oh, actually, um, so for that, I give this a 2.5 out of 5.
0: Oh, that's way higher than I thought you would give it. <laughs> really? Yeah.
1: I mean, I thought of giving it a lower rating, but I was like, I, I don't want to be, it's not like the worst match I've
0: ever seen. That's pretty bad. You know what I mean. That's <laughs> pretty bad. So let me, let me get to my point I wanted to make earlier. Totally. You remember last year when... I remember. Do- <laughs> I remember. <laughs> um, Dominic Mysterio, who Peppered is... Pepperd Farmer remember? Com- <laughs> <laughs> Dominic Mysterio is completely um, new to wrestling. Yeah. So who do you put him in the ring with? Someone who can carry a match very well. You put him in the ring with Seth Rollins. And guess what? Dominic had a great match. Looked very good. Pat McAfee. Not a wrestler. Put him in the ring with Adam Cole. It looks very good. Snooki. Not a wrestler. Put her in the ring with Michelle McCool, who is... I'm not going to say Michelle McCool is like an amazing wrestler, but she's pretty damn good. She's a vet. Yeah, she knows what she's doing in the ring. She can call a match. You put her in the ring with her, and guess what? Snooki. Snooki. Looks good. Snooki. Why would you put Brandy Rhodes in the ring with Allie? Nothing against Allie. She's fine, but she's not... She's not that she's not the veteran. She's not she's the She's not person. the carrier. Yeah. You know so, You need like, somebody
1: in, in these dynamics to be to be the strong one. To, right. to be the, the solid, you know, kind of rock.
0: Right. You've got your you got Britt Baker, yeah, who is can do this. You've got Smiley Kylie Ray who could do this. You've got um, any of the Japanese women, for God's sake. Like why didn't you have those people carry Brandy to a solid match? Because Brandy didn't look good in this match because she was with someone who was a little inconsistent yeah. and i think that was the detriment to the match which is why i give it like a 1.5 out of 5 because the, the 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 best part of the match should not be awesome kong right and awesome kong kind of carried the match yeah without wrestling yeah. which is <laughs>
1: and it's so frustrating too because when you look at it like yeah uh pre-show aside buy-in aside if this is the only thing, only women's match that you're going to put on your main card, and this is what you show, like, I would just rather not see a women's roster. Right. Like Unfortunately for me, that coming out of my mouth is like, I want to puke. But...
0: <laughs> well, even the buy-in match was a disaster because yeah. as soon as Bea Priestley got kicked or tagged in, she knocked out Britt Baker. So both women's matches were kind of not good.
1: And, you know, not to, not to play the compare game, but I'm about to do that for a second, You know, we are also very critical of the WWE women's rosters and, you know, those kinds of things hardly, you know, it's like they all have like pretty solid matches for the most part. Hardly ever do their rosters have matches like this where they just completely crumble and fall flat on their face. And the thing is, too, is that it's not like there was a super you know, balls to the wall, like, intense storyline to come in and save, no. you know, hardly serviceable wrestling. Right, like,
0: think of Stephanie McMahon and Brie Bella, two that I would argue are not good wrestlers, yeah. and yet they had a pretty good match at yeah. the SummerSlam one. exactly. Like,
1: pretty intense, like, you know, and so it's just, it's ridiculous that that this is what we're getting.
0: Yeah. Out um, of,
1: out of the, one of the heads of this company. Yeah. Like, it's, it's crazy to me.
0: Uh, and I bet, like, man, she goes backstage and it's like, oh, honey, how'd I do? And Cody's like, yeah,
1: Yeah, like, well, I just, again, <laughs> again, going back to the same question of what is, the, I would love, love to hear these, like, backstage conversations, because, I mean, you can be positive all you want, but, like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna service you to be positive about something that was complete and utter shit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> to be fair, I'm sure when Stephanie has a bad match and Triple H is like, you did
1: great. You did, <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> but moving on.
0: Yes, um, to be fair, I'm sure when, like, Triple H has a bad match, Stephanie's like, fuck, So, (laughs) uh, anyway, so moving on to our third match, uh, we've got Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order. It's a triple threat tag team match, by the way. So the Dark Order taking on, uh, Jack Evans and Angelico taking on a boy and his dinosaur, which is Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy Jack Perry, um, with Marco Stunt, uh, Olivia's apparently favorite AEW wrestler. (laughs) Uh, so this is, like I said, a triple threat tag team match, and this is going to be a little convoluted. So... Let me get to the story behind this match. The last pay-per-view, during the buy-in, the best friends, Chuck E.T. and Trent Beretta, won a triple threat tag team match to wrestle at All Out, taking on the winner of this match. And that match would be... They get a bye to the finals of the first episode of Dynamite for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Which is like a weird convolutive way. Why don't you just say these two are like... Best Friends and Dark Order are wrestling... Uh, spoiler right? Dark Order mm-hmm. wins this match. Are going to wrestle for the AEW Tag Team Championships. <laughs> but instead, they have to wrestle another match to get a bye. And they're like, it's a tournament. But, like, you don't have a weekly show at this point. So, yeah. like, the tournament has so, a... So,
1: really long, <laughs> you know, stretched out tournament, sort of.
0: That's not really a tur- tournament. Which is kind of ironic that we're talking about a tournament, tournament. Which brings us to... Um, the finisher of Dark Order, which is called the Fatality, which is a Mortal Kombat reference, which is a tournament. Anyway, long-winded. So, this is a triple threat tag team match. This match is super, super spotty and flippity-doo, and a lot is going on, so I'm just going to hit the biggest parts of it because trying to take notes during this match was a fucking headache, people. (laughs) So, just so you know.
1: As is most of these AEW That's true. Like,
0: man, AEW is hard to take notes for. Not because it's bad. It's because I'm like... Oh right, shit, and I'll go staring at the screen. So anyway, Dark Order start the match out, and they wreak havoc for a couple minutes, taking out everyone uh, of their opponents until Luchasaurus is tagged in, who begins to clean house as well. Luchasaurus, of course, six foot six, monster of a man, sorry, monster of a uh, dinosaur, <sighs> who uh, just beats up on everyone. Uh, Grayson gains gains control again of Jungle Boy, hitting an over the top rope senton onto him. Uh, then Evil Uno hits a massive corner cannonball, which was very nice. Hot tag to Luchasaurus again, who drops the Dark Order with kicks and then destroys both members of, they didn't change their name to the Hybrid 2 until like long after this, but I feel like calling Jack Evans and Helico Hybrid 2 is just a, is a, is just what I'm going to do. Uh, Luchasaurus hits a standing moonsault, which for a dude his size, holy shit. So, uh, Hybrid 2 then finally gets some offense, hitting some sweet high-flying offense because of course that's what they're known for. Uh, Jack Evans is on the top rope, and Marco Stunt comes out of nowhere, walks the ropes, and hits a top rope Huracurana, which for a dude his size to be able to jump that high and then to land the Huracurana was pretty awesome. Uh, he gets kicked out of the match by referee Aubrey Edwards, but not before Luchasaurus launches his little friend uh, into Evil Uno, which was great. Uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus hit some alley-oop powerbomb on Jack Evans, but it's broken up by Evil Uno. We then get a double-team cannonball, a 450 splash... And Jungle Boy kicks out of that, but he is then put away by the fatality 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 from the Dark Order to win the match. Fatality, who am I, Jonah Hill and this is the end. <laughs> um anyway, Olivia, what do we think of this triple threat tag team match?
1: This was well convoluted at times, pretty awesome. I first of all, loved Luchasaurus just coming in, kicking ass with some amazingly impressive legwork and surprising (laughs) athleticism um i love the spot where marco gets involved and i think that he sort of has it made as a wrestler because he's got this status of sort of i'm a wrestler and i'm a part of this really really awesome you know pseudo tag team since there's technically three of them and I get these really awesome big spots, but then I don't have to be involved entirely. And this is exactly one of those moments in which he gets to do so. Um, So love him for that. And I just thought overall, this was just another fantastic, super strong match. I thought it was a perfect demonstration of both athleticism and passion for wrestling. Cause I feel like a lot of times in, especially in this modern era, we get a lot, a lot of shows of, I'm super strong, I'm super athletic, I'm super flexible, I can do all these flips and I can do all this all these great things, but it has to come together and be super cohesive. Mm. And the only way that wrestlers I feel can do so is when they're super passionate about the product. And it's one of those things where not to compare it to like live theater, for example, you know, you can read your lines all you want and you can dress up as a character all you want, but Unless you understand the connection between one set of dialogue, one set of actions into the other, you're not a performer. You're not, you know, you're not a thespian. And I think in this case, uh, it definitely shows all of these men are wrestlers Mm -hmm. and they are passionate about AEW and passionate about the product. So for that. I give this a 3.5 out of 5, because it was awesome and super strong. Yeah.
0: Um, I really enjoyed this match. Um, I remember early on in AEW, everyone was given the Dark Order shit. I don't think a lot of people knew that they were the Super Smash Brothers from um, the indie scene. Which, they were super talented, and I think here they're like, fine, fuck you, you're gonna (laughs) boo us? I'm gonna show you how good we are, and they did. Evil Uno, for a dude who's that... Like I I don't want to call him fat because I hate to say, but he's he's Just a, large. He's a hefty Curthy. dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be able to move as fast as he does, kind of like Kevin Owens or Vader in the past were yeah. able to do. Um, Perfect Lucha- examples. Yeah, exactly. Luchasaurus being six six and being able to do a standing moon stall and the kicks Crazy. he does, and you googled a picture of him without his mask on, and you were a big fan. So <laughs> good looking dude as well. That doesn't hurt. Um, and then of course Jack Hyper Two. Those guys are well known for the amount of like flips and spins mm-hmm. there is an assisted like i th- I think it's angelico i could be wrong grabs jack evans by the foot and then springboards him to do a like 450 mid-air that is incredible it's crazy so all six men look fantastic here um seven men i guess because i'd include marco stunt in that yeah. as well uh so i give this a four out of five this match all was right. awesome really cool tag team match AEW's tag team scene blows wwe's out of the water wwe has the better women's roster easily but well, the tag teams in AEW are just top notch, yeah. amazing, and it makes me refine my love for tag team wrestling because back in the Attitude Era, I tag team wrestling was my favorite. Like Stone Cold versus the Undertaker in the main event, great, fine, fun, I love it. But like then you'd get Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys or the Acolytes versus the Dudley Boys or the New Age Outlaws versus the Headbangers, and I was always so intrigued by the tag team wrestling. Um, so, to be able to see great tag team wrestling here really pleases me. But I do have a question for you. Yeah, what's up? So, they introduced Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus as a boy and his dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And then there was the joke that once they added Marco's stunt, it was a boy and a boy and his dinosaur. Do you I prefer that name, a boy and a boy and his dinosaur, but then they were just like, "Oh, eh, we'll nip it in the bud and call him Jurassic Express." Which one do you like better?
1: Um, I mean, I don't I feel like I don't have like a preference per se. Um, the first time I was introduced to all of them, they were referred to as Jurassic Express. I I think it kind of... Uh,
0: was that the Dynamite show that we yeah, went to yeah, the yeah. first time you saw them? Yeah.
1: Rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Um, you know, you can, you can really sort of market that better. Uh, when I think of, you know, merchandising and I think of, uh, you know, branding per se, I think that when you're including all of them, that Jurassic Express is the most concise um, and most easy to work with. Mm Uh, but I mean, again, it doesn't say about like the quality of the name. So, um, for those reasons, I think that like maybe Jurassic Express is just a little bit more usable. Mm -hmm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily speak on like the likability of the name.
0: Uh, I love a boy, a boy, and (laughs) It's it's so stupid. And it's, it makes me, makes me happy. Moving on to our fourth match, uh, we get the Hangman, or as uh, good old Jim Ross calls him, Hangman, Adam Page. It's that damn Southern accent. (sighs) Yeah. uh, Taking on super bad Kip Kip Sabian. Um, Kip Sabian wants this match because he is tired of looking or being overshadowed by Adam Page. Um, I didn't really watch all the Road 2s, the pay-per-views things that they were doing because they didn't have the weekly television show at this point. But um, I don't really get where this came from, like... Adam Page kind of won a battle royal, and he earned the right to be the number one contender for the AEW championship, and Kip Sabian's like, it should be mine. Like, bitch, you weren't even in that match. Like, what are you <laughs> talking about? So, um, but Kip Sabian did make a good point on an interview during the buy-in that he only feels Adam Page is in this match because he's part of the elite and he's getting it handed to him, which I think was a little bit of kayfabe breaking, because,
1: <laughs> A little dang. bit of an, an aside. Yeah,
0: like, so, um, but anyway, I like both these men. So both men start the match with holds, um, quickly turns into a punching match. Kip Sabian then attempts a tope suicida, but he's cracked with a haymaker as he goes through the ropes. Sabian eventually hits the suicida and almost kisses a fan. So there's this guy. He was in the last episode, too. He's getting really pissed at MJF's promo. I noticed it was the same dude. And he is just yelling at Kip Sabian like as Kip Sabian hits the barricade. And yeah. he's like inches from him. And so Kip Sabian looks up at him and goes to kiss the dude and the guy got out of the way. And I'm like, damn, that takes some balls, man. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, definitely. So it
0: made me kind of a fan of Kip Sabian. (laughs) Uh, Sabian hits then a top rope foot stomp that legit hurt Paige because you can see him start grabbing his ribs as if uh, he bruised them, which I know how that feels because I recently did that by falling down some stairs. Um, And then a massive chop battle leads to a discus elbow by Paige. Paige then hits a massive top rope to the outside moonsault and over-the-top rope powerbomb and a series of pin combinations from both men that literally goes on for 57 seconds I counted turns into the dead eye from page and he wins after that and then a member of the dark order comes out a maskless heartless man a masked heartless man sorry um and hits page with a code breaker and well I guess who that could be it's Chris Jericho um, beating up his opponent for All Out and making sure he's not 100% for their eventual title match. But, Olivia, what do we think of this?
1: Uh, first of all, I loved the part, before I get into what I thought about the match, Kip Sabian attempting to kiss that audience member is just, <laughs> I mean, for lack of a better term, like, chef's kiss. I mean, it is just, it harks back onto, you know, just genuine... That the genuine, like, weird crowd energy that can only be described as, like, the Attitude Era, where it's just very, like, raw and aggressive. And I think that when a fan who, you know, not to not to make, you know, any sort of assumptions or judgments on this man, um, but for somebody who's probably pretty, you know, influenced by toxic masculinity, was probably <laughs> taken aback by this whole attempted kiss. So I just thought that, to me, was just so hilarious and gave me a good chuckle um made me enjoy it but uh onto the match i just thought that this this is a really really good match just because of the way it was placed within the entire card i think that this was one of those matches that just was like a huge like you know battle of the big spots Uh, and these matches are really good to place, like, right in the middle of pay-per-views just because, you know, the crowd's sort of, you know, they're weaning, they're getting a little bit tired, you know, a little bit exhausted, their eyes are getting a little bit tired, they're wanting to see something new, something exciting, something that's going to make them get up out of their chair, you know, cheer a little bit, get involved, uh, and I thought this match got the crowd pretty jazzed, so...
0: And one of the crowd members almost literally got involved.
1: Exactly, (laughs) exactly, so... Um, For that, I give it a 3.5 out of 5 again. Uh, Another great strong match in the card, and it had an essence of brutality. So for that, A+.
0: So I like this match. But I feel it was overshadowed by the match before it okay. and the match that came after it. Okay. So it was not a letdown because I think the match was very good. But Adam Page was A, working hurt because he had a knee problem. Right. And then he got hurt in the match. Yeah. And then he got beat up. I put that in quotations <laughs> yeah. by Chris Jericho. So Adam Page did not have a good night. Um. But I think he was able to really uh, really show why he deserves a number one contendership yeah. match. Um, however, he did have a few botches after he got that foot stomp because he was obviously winded and wasn't able to hit some really high impact moves. I think Kip Sabian kind of overshadowed...
1: Really showed out.
0: Yeah. Overshadowed Adam Page here, which was probably not what they were looking for, but is exactly what he was looking for. Yeah. So... Which tells you
1: that as much as you can plan these matches and for as much as you organize these storylines that what goes on in a match can, can you know, may or may not sway the way that future storylines progress and, yeah. you know, the the way in which these this talent gets over with the crowd. Um, so it's not always a bad thing.
0: Yeah. Um, so I gave it a 3 out of 5. I right. thought it was a solid match, but okay. nothing, like, spectacular, especially what I was hoping for. Um, this also just reminded me to think about um miro who is formerly known as rusev is now with kip sabian as Mm -hmm. his his best man as he's calling him do you think it's kind of ironic that rusev went from a ridiculous cuckold marriage storyline in wwe to being the best man at kip sabian's wedding with penelope ford going into AEW? do you think that's kind of just like a weird transition he's like i'm going from one wedding storyline to another
1: I think it's just one of those funny kind of jabs, like always oh, the bridesmaid, never the bride right. um, type situations that uh, I think are just kind of just like funny gaffs. It's yeah. a goof. It's a gaff. It's a laugh. You yeah. know?
0: You're so Midwest. I love it. <laughs> All right. Moving on to our next match, uh, which pits SoCal Uncensored, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky with the fallen angel Christopher Daniels, taking on the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr., and Ray Phoenix. Oh flippity-doo match if I've ever seen one so again bear with me guys uh SoCal Uncensored comes out to Jacksonville Jaguars gear which I thought was pretty cool I love that like tealish bluish color Um, shark teal shark teal yes um looks really cool and then they say uh they make fun of the Jaguars and say this is the worst town they've ever been to because that's kind of their thing and the crowd just eats it up which I think is so funny like so great. They did the same thing when they came here for Dynamite um, and they were like, champagne is the worst town we've ever been to, which actually might be true for those guys. So uh let's be all done. The Lucha Brothers come out dressed as samurai, which I think was really cool. They looked really badass. Um I'm a huge fan of like Japanese culture, so that looked awesome. So there is a lot of flippity-doos, as I put, uh, between Kazarian and Phoenix to start out the match. The uh we get the Cerro Cierro Miero um, spots, which is when Pentagon Jr., um, lifts up, does, like, an okay sign, which is not really okay anymore, but, um, because it's... It's okay because he's not white. Right, yeah, it's super racist if you're white, which actually makes sense, but he, uh, then puts it down for the Miedo, which means no fear in Spanish. Uh, not to be outdone, SoCal Uncensored, uh, member Scorpio Sky, starts to do a little jig, um, and have the chant, crowd chant SCU. So it's a little like back and forth of one-upsmanship between Scorpio and uh, Pentagon Jr., which is a lot of fun. The best part of this, however, is when Ray Phoenix goes, or not Ray Phoenix, I'm sorry, Pentagon goes to take off his glove to do the Sierra Mieto, and he tosses the glove at Aubrey Edwards, and she drops it, and the crowd boos So she goes, okay, fine, and throws the glove back at him, and then he does it again and throws it at her, and she catches it, and the crowd just goes apeshit. Which proves, to my point, that Aubrey Edwards might be the greatest referee of all time, just based off of, like, interactions with crowd and wrestlers in the ring.
1: She's entertaining. She's pretty great. When we
0: saw AEW live, um, she got a chant and started doing, like, a little jig in the ring, (laughs) and it was just like, who does, like, Earl Hebner's great, but he doesn't do that, so...
1: I mean, she's she's got a personality all her own, yeah. and I totally appreciate it. Yeah.
0: Not to uh, steer you away to another much more successful podcast, but uh, if you can listen to her episode of Talk Is Jericho, super insightful, and she is great. Uh, we get a super kick fiesta, which I'm gonna call it whenever the Lucha Brothers are um, present from the Lucha Brothers, on both Sky and Kazarian. Then a uh, double super kick onto Christopher Daniels. He gets kicked out of the match by Aubrey Edwards for no reason. Because he's the one who got attacked, but he's like, all right, fuck it. And he hits the opponents with an Arabian Moonsault on the outside, which is just fantastic. SCU takes control of Phoenix for some time, but after a botched something going on from Kazarian, Phoenix hits a super kick and gets the hot tag to his brother, and we get another super kick Fiesta. And I am going to ask you, Olivia, to guess how many super kicks were in this match as well. All four men get loads of offense topped off with an assisted top rope DDT from Kazarian to Phoenix. Phoenix then hits a top tight rope foot stomp. Sorry. He walks the tight rope, hits a foot stomp onto his uh, opponent, and then his brother hits a destroyer for the two count. Lucha Brothers then end the match after a foot stomp double package PAL driver to Scorpio Sky for the win. They go under the ring, they grab a ladder, which is now decked out in black and gold for the AEW brand. And challenge the young bucks to a ladder match for the Triple A Tag Team Championships at All Out, much to the delight of the fans. Lucha Brothers also get their first win here, which is great. So Olivia, before we get into the grade, how many super kicks did the Lucha Brothers slash SCU hit on each other?
1: I felt like it was anywhere between like seven to nine.
0: It was. 12.
1: 12? 12. Damn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what do we think of the match?
1: Again, first of all, my counting skills aren't that great. I try to count, <laughs> but I never write them down because I'm like, I, I feel like I can feel it in my soul what the number is. Uh, but 12 is quite a lot. Um, again, just another solid tag match. Uh, and it was an awesome, really super strong win for the Lucha Brothers. Um, they're fan favorites, so that's really great. Uh, But unfortunately, this is not as showy as the previous matches on the card, particularly the previous tag matches on the card, Um, which of course, you know, those previous tag matches have additional people on their side to make it a little bit more showy. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition, I, you know, noticed just a couple of stumbles uh, that differentiate it from the matches that came before it. Um, I feel like when you have, again, when you have those extra people, uh, it tends to, you know, be in your favor because I feel like you notice these sort of botches and stumbles a little bit less. You know, when there's less people in the ring, it's more noticeable. Uh, but other than that, it's super solid. So I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5.
0: Nice. Um, I give it a 3.5 out of 5. A few botches here as well, um, mostly from Kazarian, yeah. which was unfortunate because he's usually pretty reliable. Um, but I really like the story told here. Um, S who's been on a hot streak, and Lucha Brothers, which have been on a cold streak, Totally reverse their yeah, momentum, which the was yeah, tides Yeah, exactly. Um, Luch Brothers always put on an exciting show. Great show. And I remember watching all out, and I cannot wait to get to that ladder match because just Chef's kiss. Um, but yeah, all I think in the long run, all four, even five men, because Daniel's got a little bit of offense. Looked great here. I love the the Siero Miedo thing he always does with his opponents. That the opponents then will try and clap back with like what did um what do you call that dance that um, people do when they're like hopping on one leg and bumping their fist. Oh, uh,
1: God. Uh, I knew what the name was the other yeah, day. Yeah, whatever
0: that's called, um, when, when Scorpio Sky did that, it's Only just,
1: shoots. It, it's like, uh, it, it, the move itself is called a shoot, but I don't know, like, yeah. what really, the whole dance, it's, it's a part of. Right. but Anyways.
0: Super fun, little break from the action. Then we got the Aubrey Edwards spot, which is just so funny. Like, yeah. you don't see that anywhere else, and it's a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, I gave it a 3.5 out of 5 for this tag match. I think... Adam Page and Kip Sabian kind of suffered between being put between two really good tag team matches. Moving on to our next match. We have, um, what everyone's calling a dream match, even though before AEW I'd never heard of this man, so... But that's on me, not on anyone else. Uh, we get Chima taking on Kenny Omega. And I was very much looking forward to this because I have been very impressed with Chima going forward. And, um... As you can hear, I'm a pretty big mark for Kenny Omega, as is my girlfriend. Um, so here we are. We start off with some very epic Lucha Libre style wrestling from both men, which I think is incredibly interesting because Kenny Omega is Canadian and Chima is Chinese, and but they both learned that kind of style, which I think is just yeah. awesome. Like a white dude and a Chinese dude are doing... So is
1: the plethora of the repertoire.
0: Right. They're doing Mexican style wrestling. Uh, Chima counters a pin combo into a chicken wing. Omega then catches Chima with a perfect standing huracarana, then runs into a Chima dropkick who then eats a DDT. All this happens in very quick succession. Both men find themselves on the top rope as Chima nails a... and he barely nails this, a top rope powerbomb. It looked terrifying. Uh, The men then take it to the outside as both men botch a few moves on the outside, and at this point the crowd starts to get distracted by something. I'm assuming it was a beach ball. But I don't know, even the announcers were like, hey, there's something going on, but they don't tell you what it is. Yeah. Um, Now, this was the coolest spot. There's like the the time bell table, which is about the size of like, I don't know, a record player. It's not very big. Uh, Chima puts Kenny Omega on it, then climbs this little scaffold ledge thing where the stands are. There's like a little ledge and does a Meteora, probably eight feet onto the table. That's not very big again onto Kenny Omega. That was pretty impressive uh chima then hits two more meteoras one from behind one from the front kenny omega then kicks out hits a uh a snapdragon suplex and a v trigger and a perfect driver onto chima but only gets two count chima then gets the closest pin i have probably ever seen um uh, kenny omega kicks out at like 2.99999999 uh hits another meteora um goes for a pin but omega rebounds hits a v trigger picks him up for the one ring angel and wins so Kenny Omega gets his first singles win in AEW. But Olivia, what did we think of this uh, apparent dream match?
1: Yeah. Um. So I, ha- I, I want to go and start this by saying that I think sometimes it is a detriment to both of these competitors that they are as talented and consistent, as amazing as they are. Uh, because then when you go into the matches that they're involved in, you have this really sort of high expectation of what that match is going to be. Um, and I I could say that for these last two matches of the show, um, so, you know, being really super strong and consistent, you know, definitely doesn't play in their favor. So, uh, you know, they just have a lot to live up to, um, and people are expecting a lot out of this match. Uh, I didn't think that it was a show-stopping or explosive as anticipated, um, but again, Regardless, it was still really impressive and still really a strong match. Um, and of course, Kenny Omega gets his first singles win in AEW, so that was fun. So for that, uh, I give it a three out of five. Just Thanks. very solid.
0: I gave it a three point five uh, again. I Think it was pretty solid. Again, a few botches from the guys, and yeah, this is what I started to notice. So they do before the match, they do a shot of the announcers. And normally, when we see like Jim Ross or Jerry Lawler, they're in. Uh, Jerry Lawler's not in this, of course, but I'm just bringing up, like, what I'm used to. Yeah. They're in, like, a suit or, like, some... Or he's in his ring gear. Jerry Lawler is. But I noticed that Excalibur, Alex Marvez, and JR are in, like... Some of them are in shorts. And then they're in, like, short polo shirts. Yeah. And that's when it clicks in my head. Daly's Place is an outside arena, technically. It's hot. Yeah. And it's in Jacksonville in July, which is hot and humid and gross and probably terrible. So... When I... I, This was the match I noticed. Oh, they're botching moves because they probably can't get a hold of each other. They're probably out of breath. Yeah. They are probably just... All of these factors coming in with the heat and humidity. Yeah. Because you're... Because,
1: I mean, like you said, it's super hot. So you can grip onto each other because you're sweaty as fuck. Yeah. And then, you know, in that sort of humidity, for, for those listening who have never been acquainted... With the Florida humidity. It's horrible. (laughs) Especially in the months of, like, June through September. Like, it is to the point where you will breathe and the humidity is so heavy that it will, like, quite literally take your breath away, like, as you're exhaling. Yeah. So, to be able to have any sort of stamina in this sort of, you know, climate is really difficult. Yeah.
0: And, of course, these guys are used to wrestling inside. Yeah. With, I mean, an air conditioner for the most part. Right. And not the baking sun and humidity on them. So yeah. this... Uh, whew, yeah, we got a lot of botches in this pay-per-view, and I think it's because of that. Yeah. Um, but 3.5 out of 5 for me. I thought it was a pretty good match. All right. Um, and everyone said it lived up to the hype, but okay. again, okay. I'm only familiar with Chima's wrestling in AEW.
1: See, to me, I, I would say that this match was serviceable for what I had anticipated. Normally, these performers in both of these last matches they always exceed my expectations. So, again, it's almost to their fault that they're that talented Mm -hmm. because when they do put on a still decent match, still really strong match, but isn't one of those, like, you know, expectation breakers, uh, it doesn't serve them well.
0: Right. I agree. Um, And maybe it's our fault for having expectations too high. I I guess so. Again, I had no expectations for this match, but everyone told me I should. So I
1: mean, I did. If your
0: expectations are so high and then they don't, uh meet that then you're disappointed yeah case in point wrestlemania shinsuke nakamura aj styles exactly this match is gonna be the best and it was like (laughs) it was okay okay, yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, nothing memorable (laughs) no except for nakamura like low-blowing aj styles which was great and then he started the whole i don't speak english thing which was also (laughs) oddly funny anyway um before we get to our main event, Chris Jericho appears again, and instead of dressing like the Dark Order, he's got on his uh really spiky leather jacket and his very, 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 very tight jeans, his cool boots, and his fedora. Uh he comes out to cut a promo on Adam Page um saying that he needs to beat the Hangman because if he's not if he doesn't beat the Hangman, then his career is a joke, which Okay. Sure, buddy. Like cause you're not just like one of the greatest of all time. Uh he then calls Jacksonville jerkoffville, which is just i shouldn 't laugh because it 's like a child 's
1: he 's just so snarky yeah. in a way that just you can 't help but giggle right it 's like kind of just like that like very like schoolyard type humor where it 's not like super elaborate and you don 't have to have a ton of brain cells to get it, but you just have to laugh
0: yeah it's actually he says Jerksonville, but then he changes to Jack Which, again, like, you're such a child. Um, (laughs) He talks a lot of shit, but then Adam Page comes out and starts to attack him. And then a bunch of random wrestlers come out to separate the two. Peter Avalon being one of them, which I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing here? I like you. but Like, what? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that was the end of that. We then get our second dream match of the night. Uh, The Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, taking on the Rhodes Brothers, Cody and Dustin. Of course, They're brothers versus brothers, so this is... It's just two brothers. Just Just two brothers. Just two brothers. I guess it's four brothers here. (laughs) So, um, at Double or Nothing, Cody beat his older brother and said, I signed a contract to where um, I don't need a tag team partner, I don't need a friend, I need my older brother, and he starts crying. Uh, We shouldn't laugh at that We shouldn't. It's funny. But, (laughs) so... The Young Bucks on their show, their YouTube show, being the elite, we're still sick here guys, so if you're yeah, some coughing. So that's
1: why. my apologies.
0: <laughs> not covid related though, so I'm we're just good.
1: hacking away over yeah. here.
0: Um the Young Bucks, of course, needed to make fun of this on being the elite, their uh YouTube show. And so Dustin got all pissed off and was like, That's not he's like, You might be friends with him, Cody, but I'm not and you know, made a whole brotherly kayfabe thing about it. Yeah. But it was really funny because uh Matt Jackson just took like like red marker and painted his face red and like they were crying and hugging each other on being the elite. So the bros brothers got all pissed off. It's really funny, but it's also like not funny because you're making fun of like an actual sweet moment between brothers. So uh, they're such dicks. Uh, The match starts all four men are in the ring. There's a show of respect turns to disrespect real fast as Cody uh, taunts Nick and gets slapped right in the face. Classic double team moves by the Bucks lead to more disrespect as Matt and Nick then mock their crying. Again, um, they dropkick both Rhodes brothers to the outside, and then both young Bucks start crying, which was, of course, very funny, making fun of them again. Dustin gets cut off from his younger brother for some time, getting a good amount of offense, but is unable to tag Cody thanks to constant young Bucks interference. Every time Dustin hits a move, one of the other young Bucks will go out and drop Cody off the apron so Justin can't tag them. Cody finally receives the hot tag and his house of fire topped off with a beautiful top rope moonsault onto Nick Jackson. The Rhodes brothers then begin to work on Matt's left arm for a long time, wrenching him in every single way. Nick gets his own hot tag, hitting a variety of uh, super kicks onto both Rhodes brothers. Then we get a double Bucks sharpshooter countered into a double Rhodes figure four, which really cool here. The young Bucks are known for like flipping over the ropes, taking down their opponents, and then locking in a sharpshooter. But why the Rhodes Brothers figure four is so important is because Dusty Rhodes had a long-standing feud with Ric Flair back in the 80s. So it's kind of an homage to not only their father, but to the nature boy. All four men then hit the mat as we get a four-way clothesline. Matt hits a super kick, but Cody saves his brother from a Meltzer driver and hits a disaster kick. The ref takes a tumble. We get our first ref bump of the show. I think our first ref bump in AEW, right? If yeah, I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah. And we get stereo shattered dreams, um a flying cody then eats a dual super kick. Dustin goes for an uppercut, but he eats his own super kick super kick, super kick, super kick, lots of super kicks, super kick party here. young butts hit uh the road style uppercuts on their opponents, not to be outdone. The Rhodes brothers counter that with super kicks, so I love the good little mocking each other with each other's moves there. Uh, Nick hits a crossroads, uh, which is Cody's finisher, onto Cody, but only gets a two count. The Young Bucks then pick up Cody for the Meltzer driver and win the match. The Young Bucks are undefeated so far in AEW. Livia, before we get to the grades, I'm not going to ask you how many super kicks were in this match quite yet because I want you to answer me. What match had more super kicks? SoCal uncensored and the Lucha Brothers or the Rhodes Brothers versus the Young Bucks? God, I'm saying brothers a lot here.
1: I feel I feel like this last match had more. I feel like there were you said fuck more times <laughs> taking notes watching this one than the SCU Lucha Brothers match. So I I'm gonna guess that this one had more.
0: I'm gonna blow your mind. They both had twelve.
1: Really? <laughs> <Yep>. Wow.
0: Okay. <laughs> so that
1: totally had been unplanned. Yeah. Like there's no way that that could have been.
0: I don't think they did either. But you know. uh, yeah. So both had twelve super kicks. Um, this this pay per view. Hold on. Let me head. Twenty six on the main show, one on the buy in, so twenty seven super kicks for fight for the fallen, which is a lot. I haven't got to two hundred quite yet. I will get there. I have my counter. I'll make a big deal out of it. I, I think it. we'll get to it at all out. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Olivia, what do we think of the main event? <clears throat>
1: uh, I thought that okay, so there's kind of you know uh, what's the what's the Robert Frost where it's like two <laughs> well, roads diverged. We're, we're hitting
0: poetry here. Yeah, uh,
1: where. On the one road, you have. Did you su- mean
0: that pun roads?
1: Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's just let's just go ahead and assume that I'm that clever. Uh, I think that this was. I mean, it was what people were anticipating. It's what the match that people were waiting for. Um, you know, as soon as AEW was formed, I think that they did an amazing job and fulfilled all those uh, expectations and anticipation. The super super solid match. However, my one huge gripe with this match, and it kinda ruined it for me,
0: is okay. that
1: this is where unfortunately for AEW, you know, the wheels start to the wheels start to fall off, you know, the car starts to break down in terms of production. Because by the end of the show, I mean, when you think about it, this was a super long pay-per-view for them.
0: It was three and a half hours, give or And
1: I think that for the commentary team, this might have been too much for them. Because Jr makes this, like, a fucking off-the-wall, just, like, ridiculous comment where he says, it's in, in reference to what was going on in the match, okay, he says, it's just like kissing your sister, long pause, with... The other two on commentary being like, what? You know, sort of like, please elaborate. And then he just ends it with, so to speak. Sir, what? What are you saying? To be fair. What were you referencing? JR I, just, I was is so confused. Old.
0: He's so old at this point. He might be a little delusional. He's still the greatest of all time.
1: I mean, but again, like, <laughs> what what, what were you... Re- I just wanted to know. Because, like, I, I was like, as soon as I heard him say that... And I, there was nothing really going on in the ring at the moment. So I'm like, what is he talking about? Like, he's not talking about what what move had just happened in the ring. Uh, I, from what I can guess, it was just that, like, I think he might have been referencing the fact that, like, you know, Cody and Dustin had just gone up against each other. Now they got to team up to, you know, try and defeat the young Bucks. Because so, Cody
0: needed his older brother. So
1: it's like, it's great, but then there's kind of that drawback of, oh, well, we just kicked the shit out of each other. So right. I, 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 maybe I'm just reading way too much into his, like, geriatric comment. But <laughs> I was just like, I mean, to, on, to be totally honest with you, th- that comment happened very early on in the match. I don't
0: even remember it.
1: I was so distracted the rest of the time. I think that there was, like, I mean, at least 20-plus minutes left. And I was like, what?
0: (laughs) Before you hit your grade, I need to say, Jr. is the greatest. Like, I mean, granted, he's old as fuck now, and I don't want him to retire, but he has been commentating for, like, 35 years. Excalibur, I think, is very good, too. He adds a lot of, like, lightness and levity to the commentary. Alex Marvez is terrible, and it's so good that AEW put Tony Schiavone in his spot. Someone who could, like, kind of wrangle in Excalibur and JR to make it a little more concise. Yeah, a little um, bit more streamlined. Yeah, so... God, I can't wait for us to get to that three-man group and get Alex Marvez out of there. Nothing against the dude. He just doesn't bring anything to the table. Anyway, back to your grid.
1: So, yeah. Uh, for that, uh, <laughs> interesting comment. and Awesome performance. I'm going to give this a 4 out of 5 because I thought it was a super solid finish to the show uh, and was uh, just... Really
0: entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um,
1: can't complain.
0: Young Bucks, again, just killing it. Killing it. In matches. Cody and Dustin. Cody's had three really good matches now that I think about it. Because his one with his brother, the Darby Allin one, and this one. As much crap as we give him for being kind of like Triple H, he does exactly what Triple H does and puts on a really great match. Yeah. So, it's... it's really I, don't strong hate, performer. I don't hate c- Cody Rhodes whatsoever. I really, really like Cody Rhodes. But it's just fun to give him shit. So <laughs> yeah. And he's far more talented successful and better looking than I will ever be so there you go um but his his wife's not as hot as my girlfriend so <laughs> no, well, no offense Freddie um, I disagree yeah.
1: but alas but
0: yeah I gave it a four out of five as well um I think again due to the humidity and heat it seemed to be winding down a little bit at this point it seemed to be getting darker but I could tell that both men were getting or all four men were getting a little winded especially Dustin who was 50 and like doesn't have the cardio and um ability to wrestle a 20 minute match as he did 20 years ago so you can definitely tell he was getting a little little tired well, and he's wearing all leather
1: yeah well and it's like nothing against them too because i mean imagine put yourself in their shoes like imagine if you're like training for months on end in an air-conditioned facility to then go into like the florida swampy heat and try to compete at the same level it's just not possible for yeah your body.
0: and i've been i've been to a pwg show pro and gorilla which is if you can get some of those DVDs, watch PWG because it's great. But it would be in this uh, arena basically the size of my tiny-ass living room. Um, and there's no AC. Yeah. And everyone's just sweating on each other. However, the California dry heat doesn't get to you like the humidity does. Like, you you don't feel the heat as like much said, as you do. Like I said, humidity
1: will, like, take your breath away before yeah. it even leaves your body. <laughs> the fact
0: that I could jump into a pool in Florida and then get out and be dry without a towel... Says something. So, I gave it a 4 out of 5 as well. I'm sorry. I'm going off track here.
1: But anyways. Yes.
0: Um, so, the Young Bucks grab the microphone and say, we heard so much about the legendary Rhodes Brothers and how great they were, blah, blah, blah. Which is so strange to me because I enjoyed the Rhodes Brothers in WWE. I really did. I thought they had a great storyline. They put on very good matches, especially with the Shield. Um, but, like, I don't think anyone thought, like, Goldust and Cody Rhodes or the greatest tag team ever, but the Young Bucks are selling them like they're the greatest tag team ever. There was also a really funny thing during the opening promo where Dustin and Cody are like, we're the first team to beat the, and then it bleeps something. And I'm like, what the fuck did they, oh, they bleeped Shield because they can't say Shield because they're a different company. And I thought that was really weird. Why didn't you just say something else? I don't know. Um, Anyway, so they're like, oh yeah, you guys are great. And they get a show of respect that's oddly cut off by um, Shad Khan, Tony Khan's father, coming out with a giant check. Kenny Omega comes out in like gym shorts and nothing else. And Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy come out in gym shorts and like Luchasaurus isn't wearing shoes. And I'm like, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So they have this gigantic check, you know, one of those massive checks. And actually, this is when they start to say, hey, the fight for the fallen pay per view, the entire live gate goes to. Um, people who are affected by gun violence, um, hence the name Fire for the Fallen, which I think is great. I think that's a fantastic thing to do. Um, Just kind of strange that they did this at the end of the show and cut off a promo. And then, like, people... Like, Cody's like, oh, we're getting cut off because we're out of time on the pay-per-view. But they weren't because this entire check-presenting thing happened. And then Kenny Omega got on the mic and said some really weird things about, like, nothing to do with the gun violence or whatever, like, which was... A beautiful sentiment on AEW's part, I think, but they kind of pushed it to the side. And I'm like, Khan being there makes sense. Because he owns the building, he owns the Jaguars, he's known in Jacksonville. Cody being there made sense, the Young Bucks being there made sense, Kenny being there. Why the fuck were Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy there without shoes on? (laughs) Those (laughs) hooligans? (laughs) Right, it's like this really sweet moment they were going for that made no sense It just crumbled
1: apart faster than a dry-ass cookie. Like, it just... Everything.
0: <laughs> normally we we use, like, normally we combine, like, a promo or an ending segment into the, f- like, the match. Yeah. But I felt like we had to take this one aside because it really had nothing to do with the match in the long run of things. Yeah. Um... How? i think it again i think it, i agree with you i think it
1: would have benefited them to have this whole sort of check presentation happen in like maybe like the middle of the show yeah it would have been like a nice like kind of breather get a break from the action you know sit down as a crowd listen to you know shed con talk about this awesome thing that they're doing um you know i don't
0: think he wanted to talk he definitely well, <laughs> but
1: then say like i don't know you know have tony come out and be like, yeah, this is, like, this is what we're doing. This right. is, like, you know, this is great. Cadillac, you know, five minutes or less. You got it wrapped up perfectly nice. And this this whole ending segment was just a mess. A yeah, hot mess.
0: It, like, derailed the the ending. Of, and, like, the Young Bucks were doing this great promo, and it wasn't over with. Yeah. It was just really weird. So it's like, what were they supposed to say? Right. And it was on, like, you buy the AEW shows on the Fight Network or mm-hmm. uh, Bleacher Report Live, which isn't the same as buying something on pay-per-view like we used to do back in the day. Right. um, Where they only had... Or you're buying a time slot. Right. They can kind of go longer because nothing's coming on afterwards. Yeah,
1: so what is the whole... (laughs) I literally think, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, it like it probably was one of those things where the production team was so fucking over it that they were like, okay, we're wrapping this up. And just was like, you know, fucking hurry up, we're done. We're shutting everything off. So
0: the production team is... (laughs) Tony and Cody. I mean, obviously, Cody's in the ring. You can't do that, but, like, it's it, that was just a really weird just segment. It's really strange. G- like, way to end a pretty damn good tag team, like, main event match, but um, <laughs> that, that was the end of Fight for the that Fallen. That was the end. Um, so, Olivia, what is your match of the night, performer of the night, and grade of Fight for the Fallen 2019?
1: Okay, so, match of the night has to go to the last match. Uh, botched Ending promo aside, <laughs> I thought that this was probably the strongest match in the show, for obvious reasons. Uh, and then my performer of the night, technically, it's two, but they're a tag team, so it's acceptable. Has to go to the Lucha Brothers, super awesome. They got their first dub, um, yay for them. I think that they're super entertaining. They're fan favorites, me included, you know, I'm a huge fan of them. Uh, and I think that they're just, they're, they're the bee's knees. Uh, and so my final rating for this show is a 3.5 out of 5 just because I thought it wasn't as strong as the previous pay-per-views um, it was still super entertaining however I think like I said it just strong performances but production wise they just kind of fell apart as the night went on and that just didn't happen in their previous two pay-per-views right. so I'm kind of like wondering what went wrong what what happened that you know, wasn't supposed to happen or what didn't happen that was supposed to you know, I just have a lot of questions.
0: Right. So for that, it gets it gets a little knock. I'm I'm a little bit of the opposite of okay. you on production wise because okay. the first two pay per views, and I was ready to do a full force on this one. It was like if they do it three weeks in a row, I'm just gonna let them have it because I feel double or nothing. And Fighter Fest had awful production issues you really think so the, like lighting the way the music sounded where it was like all bass and drums okay and like yeah. the way they cut off random music and the way they like camera cuts and the announcers kind of didn't know what was going on and i think they did a lot better here okay. until that last segment
1: yeah i mean they, they've got some growing pains <laughs> yeah for
0: sure. right and like commentary people are always going to say some really random shit you can't really fault the production it's on just that just
1: like kissing your sister yep, so, so to
0: speak uh I don't have sisters, so and I would never <laughs> kiss my brother. My brother, um, <laughs> so I actually thought, aside from that really awkward last segment, the production was much better on this okay. one. Um, but anyway, my match of the night goes to the triple threat tag team match between Dark Order, Buena's Dinosaur, and Hybrid Two. That That's match was awesome. It was awesome. And yeah. in turn, my performer of the night goes to Luchasaurus who really got to show... He kicks some ass. Yeah, uh, pun intended. Um, (laughs) He really got to show why he's so beloved. And I think this was before he became really beloved. Right. Um, This was like his sort of coming out party, and he looked looked great here. Um, I'm actually surprised you didn't pick Kenny Omega for a third week in a row just to kind of pick him. (laughs) Uh, My attire of the night, though, I'm keeping the tradition, goes to the... Purple and gold uh, Los Angeles Laker colors that the Young Bucks were rocking. I thought those were awesome. I'm a Laker fan. They're Laker fans. And that's awesome. Um, to go back to the book, as I've been doing, um, they grew up Laker fans as well as Bulls fans because they grew up in the 90s. So kind of like me. Yeah. Big Laker fan, but it was impossible to hate the Michael Jordan Bulls back in the day. So yeah. Uh, Young Bucks, again, three for three on the uh, attires of the night yes. for AEW pay-per-views. And my final grade is... Three out of five. Okay. Um, not because I thought this was a bad pay-per-view. I just think it's the weakest so far that we've seen. I
1: agree. Of
0: the three. Um, and while a lot of the wrestling was good, we had a pretty meh buy-in. And I know mm-hmm. that doesn't really um, fall into things, but, like, the buy-in's supposed to sell the pay-per-view, Yeah, it's,
1: what's, it's what gets you jazzed. Yeah. It's the free content that then entices you to then, you know, pay for the... right. <laughs> (laughs) monetized content. Yeah,
0: and the Fighter Fest uh, buy-in was super fun. The Double or Nothing buy-in was awesome. They had the Casino Battle Mm -hmm. Royal. And this one just kind of sucked. I thought, unfortunately, the women's match sucked, man. Like, oh, that match was not good. Sucked major ass. Yeah. Um, And I was a little disappointed by the Adam Page Kip Sabian match. So I gave it a 3 out of 5. All right. Um, but that's not to say the pay-per-view is bad. I mean... Right. AEW has some growing pains. You kind of got to give them a little bit of slack... Exactly. Um, on some of these things. Much like we'll probably do in very early WWF pay-per-views. Yeah. So, 3-5. Um... But Olivia, thanks for joining me. Do you want to take us home as always?
1: Absolutely. So please go follow us at That's Got to Be Wrestling on Instagram. That is the social media hub that we're using and choosing at the moment. Uh, Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever your preferred podcast platform is. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please go and give us a rating, whether it's one star, five star, whether you love us, whether you hate us. Uh, please go give us a rating. It really, really makes a difference. Uh, but if you like Spotify, which is the uh, elite podcast platform, uh, go ahead and give us a follow on there. That also matters a lot. And that'll also give you, um, you know, some updates and it'll notify you when we do upload our episodes. Uh, other than that, if you're wanting some... To rock some super cool, that's got to be wrestling merch, definitely go check us out on Redbubble. We've got some pretty cool retro, you know, that's got to be wrestling logo stickers on there that I think would look absolutely fabulous on any laptop or any preferred Surface. (laughs) But with that being said, Tommy, what are we reviewing? Usually in a week, but now is in a few short days since we're running behind schedule. We
0: will be getting to All Out 2019, um, which... If I remember correctly, it was fucking dope. Um, I wanted to get tickets to it because it took place in Chicago and they sold out literally in like two minutes, so I didn't. Um, And then after that, we'll be headed back to WWE because the Royal Rumble is happening on January 31st. So that is what will happen the following week. Yes. But thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Do everything that Olivia just said. Follow us, give us a like, blah, 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 all that stuff. And join us in a few short days for All Out 2019.
1: Brought to you Thanks. by COVID.